Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your host, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fine. Thank you. Yes. Um, uh, and in particular, uh, uh, because uh, today, uh, listeners, uh, we get to talk about something that if I had to venture a guess, uh, most Americans don't know it exists. I'm excited about this because I have lots of questions because, you know, that's how I, that's how that's I how roll. You, well, that's how you roll. Yes, that's you how do. I roll, as the young people say, except I bet the young people don't say that anymore. It's now probably the old people who say that. <laughs> so is this, okay, there's, the there's this thing that presidents say when they don't want to answer a question. They say, I am invoking privilege. Okay. Is that what we're talking about when we talk about the state secrets privilege, or are we talking about something else? Um, we're talking about something else. It flows from roughly the same idea. Okay. 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 So for listeners, um, in law, there's this idea of, you know, something, something privilege, right? So you have- Oh, like um, client- uh, lawyer client privilege where if you tell your lawyer that you axe murdered your ex-wife the lawyer does not have to disclose that because there's there's privilege there's okay. privilege although the lawyer then can't put you on the stand and let you knowingly lie yeah because um uh, most governments um say that lawyers cannot suborn or encourage perjury okay right so they um, never can ask you, did you ask murder your wife? Because then you'd have to, if you said no, then they would know you were lying. Yes, so they wouldn't right. ask you that. They would ask you other things. They would did ask you love your things. wife? Did y'all get along? Did you have a fabulous relationship? Exactly, right? But I mean, it, the basic idea of privilege in the law um, is this uh, uh, desire uh, to encourage people to communicate. So if you think about spousal privilege, which is recognized uh, by most governments in the United States. The idea is government actually want spouses to communicate. And the thinking is, if there's a privilege that allows you to not disclose what is being discussed, you're more likely then to have those conversations, right? Right. So, you know, how can lawyers give you effective legal counsel or representation if you don't feel confident or comfortable enough to share everything that you may have done related to the charges you know uh, that were brought against you right right you know because as a lawyer i can't represent you if you know i don't know everything right um um, okay so i see what you're saying so so that's one kind you of to tell your to tell that person everything so that they can look across your defense and make the best possible defense. Yeah, right. given and, what and, they know. Okay, you know, in light in in you uh, asked about executive privilege, right. right? The idea of executive privilege is 
we want those in leadership positions in government to get the, the best, most complete advice and counsel from their subordinates. You know, so we want presidents to, you know, consult with a large number of experts before making a decision that could affect millions of people, both within the country and around the world, right? And the thinking is people would be less likely to give complete unvarnished advice, counsel, if they know that what they said could be reported. Oh, because it might make them look bad or it might make the situation sure. worse. Or sure. if they were in a diplomatic situation, it might ruin the relationship with the other country if, yes. if that came out. Okay. Yes. Now, what we're talking about is a related privilege to executive privilege in government, and that is the state secrets privilege. And the common definition the, uh, of the state secrets privilege is that the privilege permits the government to block the release of any information in a lawsuit that if the information was disclosed would cause harm to national security. So how did you find out that X country had broken into, had, had done cyber, a cyber warfare thing? We're not gonna tell you our methods because then we can never use those methods again. Yes. In order to okay. do that research. Yes. Okay. Um, and, or we don't want our enemies to know how we do X or how we came to that. Right. We don't know. We don't want them to know the person that told us that there was a problem to start with because yes. that person is a mole and we don't want them to yeah. know that. Okay. Okay. You know, you know we can't disclose that, Your Honor, in a, you know, in a trial, in a court case. We can't disclose that, Your Honor, because if we did, then we would let terrorists know that we know how they do X. Right. And if they found that out, then they would figure out who within their organizations are working with us. And that might put those lives in jeopardy, or it may put our agents' lives in jeopardy, or it may put our allies in a very difficult political diplomatic situation if that becomes public. Similar to the way journalists don't reveal their sources, because if they reveal their source, then then their source usually dries up because they either get fired or they no longer have access to the information and therefore the news source no longer has access to that. Like the, the reporter doesn't. That, that's so a, reporters that's a, will go to jail before they will tell you who their sources are. That's a very, that's a, uh, that's a very good comparison. Journalistic privilege operates under the same logic, which is sources would be less likely to disclose information to the press if it becomes standard practice that sources will be made public, okay? Right. Um, you know, you know. If you thought you could be fired or killed for telling something, you yes. wouldn't tell it because. Yeah, that's a very good, that's a very okay. good comparison, right? 
Okay, so, but in this case, the, the, um, the compelling point is not the transparency of journalism, it is the national security issue. We are yeah. protecting the national security. Yeah. That seems like it could get dangerously broad. Yes, and that <laughs> is, and, and as we will discuss in just a few minutes, Nia, that is one of the more significant criticisms of the state's state secrets privilege um, is that um, there is some evidence that increasingly presidential administrations are overusing the privilege to avoid embarrassing information being disclosed in a public trial. But we're going to get to that in a minute. A little bit, Cause, yeah. Because, yeah. so where did this start? Where Does this start like recently or does this go on for has well, there been a state secret privilege as long as there's been a state <laughs> like as long as we've had that's a the very United good states the origin of the state secret privilege like the origin of many concepts in american law actually uh, uh resides with british common law okay, okay. Uh, the Brits have had a version of the state secret privilege for centuries. Okay, um, so the origin, so that's the king instead of the government. The king saying, yes. "I don't have to testify about that in court because it will undermine the safety and security of the United Kingdom." Yeah, it will undermine my reign as and my authority okay. as the divine ruler. Okay, of this great land. <laughs> okay. Okay. Of this tiny island in the North Sea. Anyway. In the United States, um, it gets uh, its development is traced specifically to a court case, uh, a US Supreme Court case in 1953, um, where the uh, the Supremes um, finally recognized um, what the government had long been asserting in other contexts. And the case is uh, United States versus Reynolds. Um, and basically uh, what happened in the Reynolds case is that there was uh, a military plane that crashed in Georgia. And the family members of three civilians who died um, filed a wrongful death suit against the federal government. And wait, 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 I'm sorry. People on the ground died yes. from this plane crashing into them. Yes. And that, that's when they sued. Okay. Yeah, okay. They weren't in the plane. They were no. crashed upon. Yeah, these are the widows of three civilians um, who filed a wrongful death suit against the federal government. During the okay. trial... They asked the federal government to um, uh, submit the accident report. And the government um, refused, uh, telling the federal district court judge, if we submit the accident report and it becomes public, um, it would disclose information about secret military equipment that was in use on the plane that went down. 
Uh, okay, so you're flying along in a stealth bomber, and I'm working in my field, yeah. and you crash your stealth bomber into my field and you kill me. And my significant other decides to sue the federal government and say, I want the accident report, but the accident report is titled, What the Heck Went Wrong with Our Stealth Bomber? And it, right? you know, and it has a, a and, and the first page is, first of all, we have a very new stealth bomber that nobody knows about. And then it starts talking <laughs> about that. Like, you know, all the, the, all the features of the plane, okay? And, and then the, the Russians are like, nifty, we want one of these. Let's build our own stealth bomber. Now that you've given us a report a about what's made. Okay, I yeah, see. It's a, it's, a, it's a public document at that point, right? Right, because reports submitted in a court of law are, they public become documents. public. Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, uh, the United States loses in the lower court, and the U.S. government appeals to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the court actually sided with the government. Okay. Sided okay. with the government. Okay. I'm not surprised by that. 1953 would have been the, the Korean height. War. Well, uh, the Korean and, War and Cold War. I mean, you're talking uh, the, there about secrets with secrets and some secrets and a side of secrets, please. Yeah. Okay. With chocolate sprinkles of secrets on top. Yeah, and 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 again, uh, uh, podcast listeners, you know, me and I've discussed, okay, um, uh, when we were looking at commissions, okay, um, uh, in particular the uh, Moynihan Commission, which you know looked at. Um, government secrets. Um, uh, you know, once the Cold War arose in the United States, uh, a lot of behavior of the federal government um, uh, changed, right? Because we didn't want, you know, our sworn enemy, the Soviet Union, uh, to figure out how we were monitoring them and what right. technology were, we were using. I mean, you know, again, this was part, you know, this was um, a few years before the space race, Nia, um, you know, this was, you know, uh, uh, the nuclear weapons race, okay, um, uh, the, the, the conspiracy mentality, okay, <laughs> was rife, <laughs> yeah, right, okay, now, initially, the state secrets privilege was used so that, um, um, certain information would not be disclosed, right? So the trial would continue, okay? It's just that certain evidence was subject to the privilege, right? But if you don't have certain kinds of evidence, you can't go forward because... Ah, and now you get right? to... Yes, so that that's... seems unfair because that okay. seems like a thing that would prevent you from okay wait let me back up and say one of the one of the um privileges if you will of being an american is the right to sue over anything anywhere anytime <laughs> for any reason yes. right like like you can file a lawsuit against anything anyone you can file a lawsuit against rain in the United States. Now, a judge will quickly throw that out and say, rain is an act of God and cannot be 
and cannot be sued. But it you can to, file that. If you can if you have the time, point, you can go out and do the work and file it at the courthouse and Nia, to your point, one of the dominant features of American political culture since the country's founding is the American willingness, propensity to litigate any and all disputes. Right? Yes, we are the most litigious of all the countries. Uh, well, actually, scholars say uh, uh, we're just in the top five now. Oh, uh, okay. There are some scholarship that suggests that, interestingly enough, Japan uh, per capita uh, files more lawsuits than any other nation. Oh, okay. But of, but of all the things that we've exported, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> our you're welcome. <laughs> our litis- litigious nature, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure, um, is the best one that we've exported. But I mean, Alexis de Tocqueville, writing in the 1830s, when he was reviewing the American form of democracy, one of his you know, clearest conclusions about the American form of democracy was our secular belief in courts to settle disputes. Right. right? Okay. Which is funny because you and I have discussed on multiple occasions how Article Three was an afterthought. And yeah, yet, no, yeah. and yet <laughs> Americans have made it sort of the central whatever else they may or may not know about the constitution they know they can sue i mean it's, right. it, it, it is the secular religion in the united states right? it really is <laughs> okay. the, the courts and the courts but okay so let me so let me well, back up practical, but, but me as a practical matter matter you are spot on because in many trials without you know certain key evidence the case ends up being dismissed because, you know, for instance, in the Reynolds case, the widows could not determine if it was mechanical failure, if it was pilot, pilot failure. failure, okay, was the government aware of either or both before they did the training flight, because it, it was a training flight, okay, so they couldn't determine that. So what you oftentimes see is when the government makes a state secrets privilege and the judge agrees with the government, then the case falls apart and ends up being dismissed because of lack of evidence to support the claim against the government. Can we dig in a little bit on on something you just said there? So, So here's what I assume happens. You have the widows and you have the government as represented by Bob, right? So the widows and Bob. Uh, the widows have a lawyer. His name is Joe. Joe and Bob. And they, they go to the judge in chambers. And Joe says, we need this report because it's going to tell us whether there was a mechanical problem. It's going to tell us whose fault it was. And if it is the fault of the government, then they need to pony up. And Bob is going to say, Your Honor, we can't give you that report because it gives too much information that our enemies could then use to either thwart the use of this vehicle or make their own or whatever, whatever, whatever. That's not done in front of anybody else. That's just done in chambers 
in front of a judge, right? And then the judge yes. makes that it, decision. Is that how that works? Yeah. And what you're talking about is um, um, an in-camera inspection. A judge has the authority to go ahead then and say to Bob, who's representing the federal government, uh, well, uh, let me see the report. Ah, so the judge but, actually sees the report. Well, the judge can. Or the information the, or whatever. Okay, but one of the criticisms is that over time, many of the judges would just defer to the assertion of the state secrets privilege. Oh, I trust you. So I think you're telling the truth. If, if okay. one of the... One of the purposes of having an independent judiciary is to provide a check and a balance on the political branches. The critique or criticism was a lot of federal judges were basically just saying, okay, well, if that's what you assert and you're the federal government, who am I to go ahead and question you about national security? Which is a, a similar argument that people have about the FISA courts. Is that, yes. is that it's all too easy to get a warrant at a FISA court because the judge is like, well, you wouldn't ask if you didn't have a reason. That's right. Right. It's, you, it, wouldn't, it, you wouldn't assert secret privilege if you didn't have a yeah. state secret to protect. And listeners, uh, Nia just made reference to uh, uh, FISA courts, uh, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act courts. Okay. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, uh, recently, um, a number of interest groups, including the ACLU, um, asked the U.S. Supreme Court to direct the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court to release more information about FISA warrants um, and uh, what warrants are being granted what warrants are being denied um, in the U.S. Supreme Court by a vote of 72 denied uh, the request. Interestingly enough, I believe Justice, Justices Sotomayor and Gorsuch, uh, they issued uh, uh, a dissent of the cert writ being denied saying, this is an important constitutional issue that the Supreme Court should take up. Yeah. Oh, and that's unique bedfellows there. Um, uh, yeah, you, you don't see that very often. Um, I, I think um, the most recent Supreme Court term, Sotomayor and Gorsuch voted together about 55 or 60% of the time. Wow. Well, see, you proof that when people think that a judge, a justice on the Supreme Court is put in by a president of a certain political party that they are going to fall in line with that party and that party's consistent ideology they need to get over that that is not what uh, what happens it happens sometimes but sometimes well, they I mean, Nia, I mean think and, about and, this i mean gorsuch and sotomayor compared to the rest of the justices okay i think either they voted the least together or close to the least together, right? But even still, the figure was 55 to 60% of the right. time, okay? <laughs> I have close friends, okay? That you don't get along with that well. 
where we don't agree 55% of the time, right? And they're and they're close friends. Right. Okay. I would give my life for them. Right? Yeah, they're people you would let pick up your kid from school and and you yes. you agree with them less than these two people. People, the right? Okay. You know, so there's the common narrative that, you know, these justices just like hate one another, right? Because, you know, a president of one political party appointed Judge A and a president of another political party appointed Justice B. Well, of course they don't get along. No, they actually get along more than most of us. <laughs> okay. Well, um, and when we think about it, they are nine. I mean, that's a very small club. I mean, it's, it's that's it's a small, very small club. It's small group interaction, right? I mean, Nia, you and I have talked about this. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have to get along. Yeah, we have to get along, or you know, just don't register every every single objection that you think or feel. Right. But back to the state secret privilege, right? Okay. So, so so the judge decides that, and theoretically, the judge in in the right in the best way, they would read the document. They would yeah. decide. Okay, yeah, no, that really does endanger national security. So, does that judge have to have security clearances? Um, uh, well, according to federal law, no, because the assumption is what judges do in chambers is private. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, because let's face it, if judges started reporting uh, discussions with lawyers in chambers, um, uh, you want to talk about lawyers losing confidence in judges? Well, um, and we'd have a lot less litigious society because people would not, it would, it would work the same way this works in that you wouldn't trust that you were going to get yeah. any sort of privacy or yeah, or I any mean, kind of anything. So, so that gets decided and the judge says, no, this is legitimate. You can't, you can't have this report. And it ends the case for those people because they can't prove who's at fault. Because they don't have the report to yeah, do that. Yeah, because then they would go back into the courtroom and the judge would say, um, in your hypothetical to Joe, representing, you know, the, the widows, um, Joe, do you have any other evidence? And at uh, that point, no, sir, we need that report. We need that report. And, well, you then. Know, you know, and the judge says, uh, sorry, uh, uh, that report is covered by state secrets privilege, uh, absent any other, any other evidence. There's no case here. Okay. Um, case dismissed. Okay. But okay. if they have other material, then they can bring it up and they can. They could bring it up. Yes. So that you can still go ahead with the case if you have sufficient material. It just becomes extremely difficult. Okay. Yes. So yes. it's a, it's, it is intended to do that. It's intended to put a stop to. Yes. Okay. Because again, the government is making the claim that the disclosure of certain information um, would harm um, national security. And does the, you know, do the political branches of the federal government have the authority to provide national security for the entire country? Yes. Okay. Um, I don't, I, I, I have I, mixed I, I, feelings. I, I, I have mixed I, I, feelings I'm, about yeah, this. I'm, I'm, I'm there, right there with you. Because right? there's, there's part of me that's like, you know what, we have to protect national security. Like we do. That's part of being a country is, is that we protect 
our way of finding information, our way of doing things like certain things, because we can't function as a nation and protect our citizens if we don't. But then there's another part of me that's like, yes, but if there's no sunlight, that's where mold grows. Like that's where you have this problem of if there's no transparency and going back briefly to the FISA courts, it's, they grant the warrants in something like 90 plus percent of the, yes. yeah. of, well, of the times that they're asked for, uh, unlike regular judges who regularly say, no, you can't have a warrant for that. It's not, that's not sufficient grounds for you to, or to just least, bust in Augie's door and start going through. Or at least they, they have a, the process forces government officials to dot the I's and cross right. the T's, right? Right. Because okay. other people can watch. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because those warrants um, in, in, in criminal court cases, um, non FISA warrants, okay, you know, the warrant has to be given to you. When they, you know, br- you know, right. you know <laughs> when they kick in your front door, door, you know, and we're Actually, here. most of the time that's on TV. Most of the time they knock, they knock on the door, they knock you, politely. You, know, you open the door, they hand it to you and say, Hey, we have a warrant to look through. Yeah. Okay. You know, for, for evidence of X, right. I mean, in many law enforcement, try not to go ahead and wreck your house. You right. Know, or, and they or, often will say to you, if your kids are here, do, would you like to take them out on the front lawn? Would you like to, right? Because they don't yes. want, they don't, not trying to traumatize your children. They're yeah, not trying right? I mean, to and, do and, and Many stuff. cops will go ahead and say, okay, we have a warrant to basically search your entire house. Or you could just go ahead and tell us where the evidence is. Right. Okay. I mean, right. they give you a choice, right? But it's all public. Unlike a FISA warrant, and unlike, for instance, the state secrets privilege, where the government basically is saying, trust us. Yes, okay? and we have evidence that you're not always trustworthy. Therefore. Okay. Well, I mean, in, in, in this, by the way, is a really good segue to the next thing I want to mention about the state secrets privilege, which is how often it gets used. Oh, good. Right? Okay. Okay. So the court gives official, if you will, acceptance to the privilege in 1953. Between 1953 and 1976, the federal government only asserted the privilege four times. Four times. Not 40, not 14, four, F-O-U-R. Four, that's right. Okay. The number after three and the number before five. Five, right? Four times. Right? So that's in 23 years? Years. 53 right? to 76, right? 23 years. Okay. Do that's you want, not uh, very That's not very many. No. In, Which in, I would assume that means that when, the, when it happened the third time, they were like, well, we don't do this very often. So we're going to just trust that it's and not that's unreasonable. Why, that's why many federal judges were prone to accept the privilege assertion. Because it was so rare. I mean, this has to be serious because the federal government hardly ever invokes it. Okay. Nia, do you want to guess, okay, with after what event did we see an explosion of the federal government asserting the state secrets privilege? 
Oh, for Homeland Security, it's got to be 9/11. Uh, 9/11, yes. 9/11 okay. is the is the <laughs> every time anybody in Homeland Security says I'm doing this, and you say why, they say 9/11. Okay, like I mean, or some it, derivative thereof. It is the catalytic event for some rather significant changes well, in our federal government and in our court system. And it created right? the Department of Homeland Security. So if you're going to yes. talk about Homeland Security. That that's when you get the huge. I mean, the creation of that department. Yeah. How many? How many? How many times? The Bush forty-three administration invoked the privilege twenty-three times post nine eleven. Holy cow! So in five rough, times as many, almost six times as many. Many, in roughly six and a half years. We never do this. We never do this. We never do this. We always do this. We yeah, always we're do, yeah, we're doing this, right? Okay. And by the way, if you think that me and I are beating up on the Bush 43 administration, no. Uh, because subsequent presidential administrations have also used the privilege with some regularity. The Obama administration relied upon it in a variety of cases, um, including cases concerning um, uh, the federal government being involved um, with torture. Uh, the Obama administration used it um, uh, in challenges to the drone targeted killings program. And they also used it in regards to continuing the Bush 43's warrantless surveillance program. Okay. The Trump administration. Again, listeners, you've heard me say this, but we're going to be learning and we're going to be creating so many exceptions to what we know about the presidency, about the rule of law with the Trump administration. Trump expanded its usage to include immigration and various elements of foreign policy, including diplomatic exchanges that the president had with leaders of other nations. Ah, the infamous phone calls from the White House. Can I, can I just say, though, that um, in defense of, of President Trump, President Trump, I think, had a layman's understanding of the yeah. law as it applies to the president, as opposed to a constitutional understanding of the law as it applies to the president. He has been involved in lawsuits his entire life. Like, yes. he is a litigious individual, and people are litigious with him for a variety of reasons, almost all having to do with his businesses. And so in his world, there are privileges that you don't have to disclose certain things. When people try to force him to disclose his tax Unless the case is specifically about that, you, you can't do that. You can't force somebody yes. to tell you what their taxes are, what their income is. So I get where he might perceive that, that privilege as being different maybe than, than pre presidents before him. However, now that he has opened that door, I feel certain that all pre presidents after him will walk through it because – well, I mean, in when world, have they ever given back a power yes. that they have taken? Like, that's not 
the president's yeah. like, you know what? The presidency's too powerful. Here, take this back. That never happens. When yeah. that does happen, it will be one of the signs of the apocalypse. Like, because you can look need- around for horsemen at that point because yeah, it's getting need- ready to go down. <laughs> Nia and I have discussed this that, you know, the rise of the modern president started when te- with, starting with Teddy Roosevelt, because that's, you know, uh, the, the president, most presidential scholars, you know, kind of sort of date the start of the modern president. I mean, Teddy Roosevelt expanded the powers of the office of president, okay? Presidents who have been labeled the best, the greatest by historians and political scientists weren't shrinking violets who did nothing. Right. <laughs> they were typically presidents who pushed the envelope, right? Right. So, you know, George Washington was basically creating brand new norms because he was the first president. But I mean, if you think about Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson, Abraham Lincoln, Teddy Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, um, FDR, you know, LBJ. Right. You have an okay. enormous expansion of presidential powers under and, each and of they, those individuals. They pushed the envelope, right? right. I mean, where and it's not stopped. The Biden administration, Nia, this fall, okay, in two different Supreme Court cases that will be heard in, the, uh, I think, uh, by the end of this calendar year, have asserted state secrets privilege. <laughs> yeah, because why, why stop? I mean, if it, once so, that door gets opened, once that floodgate gets opened, then it's really hard to close it. Yes. Okay. Um, and, 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 and then because so many presidents are now using it, you have scholars who are like, hey, wait a minute here. It, it feels like abuse at this yes. point. It feels okay. like instead of use we've moved over the line into abuse of, of, oh, well, it's a national security thing. But um, is it, I'm gonna need you to prove that that's a national security thing. Because at this point, the other problem with that is that Homeland Security or national security are so nebulous in their definition that you hear talk of overfishing in American waters as a national security problem. <laughs> well, yes, right. Okay. Right. Like that's, and I'm like, mm, is that really a national security problem? Like that, that seems like a reach to me. I'm just saying it seems like a reach. It might be bad. It might be bad policy. It might be bad food policy. It might right. be bad sustainability policy, but it, is it truly a national security problem? Exactly. Right? I would think that that would be one of the main criticisms is that is that because the definition of national security is so nebulous, then when you put anything under it, you you have to start questioning where if it's is it being used too much? Is it being is the privilege yeah, and, being abused? And, and and part of the criticism of the privilege um, is that not only is national security as a concept or as a justification nebulous, but is it being used to cover up embarrassing facts or circumstances, okay, that um, the presidential administration don't want the public to become aware? 
And, and, and there isn't an exception in the United States Constitution for the government to avoid being embarrassed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I wish there was an embarrassment clause. That right. would be hilarious. <laughs> okay. Um, but, you know, there are broader theoretical concerns here, right? If we know that judges don't even review the government claim, then it calls into question checks and balances. Yeah, right? it calls into question the judiciary and the seriousness of its of its work. It, it's work. I mean, because is it, you know, because on one hand, the state secrets privilege flows from separation of powers, right? I mean, the the the, the logic is the executive branch is tasked by the U.S. Constitution to execute the law. So it should be able to determine the best way to, for instance, provide national security. Right. On the other hand, we have a related concept in the U.S. Constitution, which is checks and balances. So if James Madison was correct and Farrell is 51, the reason why we have these shared powers is that we are concerned that people in each branch of the federal government might try to go too far, might try to go ahead and cover up, you know, their wrongdoings, even if they were, you know, not done for evil or, you know. Uh, uh, Cannot, right. You know, you know, people make mistakes. Right. But in a democracy, how do we hold the government accountable if the government can just go ahead and say, oops, sorry, you guys aren't going to find out about this because it is a quote unquote state secret. Well, and how can we learn from that mistake and not make it again? I mean, all you're yeah. doing is, is asking the next administration to make the same mistake because they yeah. would not have access to the knowledge that would help you prevent from making that mistake. Are there any good things? Uh, well, hey, uh, many national security uh, scholars, many homeland security scholars um, have said uh, it's a necessary tool to have if the United States is going to be um, an active player uh, in international affairs. Um, because as you know, we pointed out earlier in this episode, many nation states would not want to work with us if they knew that Whatever. We just Don't go around it. spilling their secrets. <laughs> the you know who told us that? You know who told us that? Scotland. Scotland told us that. Scotland would be like, I'm never talking to you again. You, you, I, I mean, you get, know, out, get about, out my face. You know, I know Scotland's how, not a nation, by the way. I know they want but, to be, but they're not one yet. Well, at least some people do. Some people in Scotland would like <laughs> right. it. 50-50 last time yeah, they right? voted. But I mean, you know, think about how Trump a couple times got into problems because he went ahead and spilled the beans. Okay, on what? Oh my gosh, what was it? There was leaders. Other world leaders thought were privileged, you know, diplomatic communications. Yeah, Donald something Trump. happened in Iran, and he was like, "Yeah, Israel did that." Yeah, and, yeah right. And Israel was like, "Hush, <laughs> yeah. don't tell people." Right. Okay. And he, I, I don't think he was intentionally trying to destroy their state secrets, as it were. Like, I think he just, I think he thought it was obvious. And so he was like, well, yeah, yeah. right. Or, but or, but or, you're or, right or. that it does, it could chill those relationships 
or, or think about- uh, And it certainly could chill individuals. If yes. an individual knew something, if I was an insider in Al-Qaeda and I yes. gave yes. information, if I thought there was any way my name would come out and I would be shot, summarily shot, and more importantly, my family would be shot, I wouldn't do it because I yeah. would be worried that or, or think about this, uh, and this is a more recent event. Think about um, the disagreement that has occurred between Australia, the United States, Britain, and France about the selling of nuclear submarine technology to the Aussies. And and France that... is pretty mad at us right now. Yeah, right. Okay. They're pretty grumpy. They're like, okay. wait, 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 we had a $60 billion contract. And we're like, psych, because right? actually yeah. Australia said psych to yeah. France. Yeah. Okay, so for listeners who may not know, Australia had a deal with France. France. They were going to buy some nuclear submarine technology and a couple of actual nuclear subs. And they had set up this deal, and it was like several billion dollars over X number of years, because that's how you do these deals. And then <laughs> about... I don't know, three or four months ago, they said to France, never mind, we're buying it from the United States. And France was like, excuse me? Because one, it's a huge deal financially that they're not oh. going to be making the money. But also, what the heck is the United States doing in all this? Like, Yeah, since when does the U.S. go uh, 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 poach Okay. Right, from then, their allies. Uh, and then it became public that Great Britain brokered the deal. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Remember> right? <laughs> okay. Well, and, and in the United States has said, and Australia has said that the reason that, that they are doing that is because of moves made by China in involved in all of this China Sea and there's Taiwan sea. and, right, yeah, and there's and, all and, these issues there and so and, and, what and it is France, is the United States is projecting power into Asia yeah, by, and, and France by has been um, more willing to work with and negotiate with the Chinese and the Aussies wanted to go ahead and send a very clear message to the Chinese that they're not Right. Okay, leave, you know, leave the But it caused south. France for the first time in 250 years to pull their ambassador out of the United States. The States. Okay. That's a big I mean, deal. In, in all They're our oldest world ally. They were with us against against England when we, yeah. when we left. Okay, and all this becomes public. Okay, and a, quite a few people that I've read, you know, scholars who are like, if there was ever a time that the state secrets privilege should have been invoked, okay, <laughs> was it. in the United States, Great Britain, okay, at all, it should have been this, okay, because, you know, the Chinese are just sent back saying, do we really have anything to fear from the West, okay, when they can't even do a nuclear technology deal? Really, seriously? Yeah. Okay. The other thing, too, about that, the, the problem I would think with, with privilege, um, another one of these things that would happen with, with state secret privileges, the more people who know a thing, the more people will tell a thing. Yes. And part of that was that Australia told it. Australia yes. sent a cable to France basically saying, never mind. And France was like, first of all, you break us up with us by cable. And second of all, you couldn't even call. And second of all, 
what are you talking about? So, it's funny you. It's funny you mentioned the. Um, uh, we're no longer do, doing a deal with you cable between the Aussies and the French. As one scholar went ahead and described it online, it's like breaking up with your significant other via text. Right. Okay. It may be a generational thing, but it but the United States, but world politics runs on old school generation, not young school generation. Yeah, you should do this face to face. You should. Okay. Right. Okay. You don't send a cable and say, "Thanks, but no." Right. No, that's not the way it's done. <laughs> right. And that's why Trump got in trouble when he went ahead and you know said that. Well, you know, of course, you know, the the, the Israelis went ahead and did that, right? You, you just you, that's not what you do, right? Right. By the way. This isn't a positive of the state secrets privilege, but I do want to go ahead and remind listeners. You know, me and I've been beating up about how the courts don't seem to be um, engaged in their accountability role when they just accept the state secret privilege. But there is another institutional actor who could rein, rein in the use of state secrets. It's Congress. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Congress could go ahead and change the practice by putting explicit language in authorizing legislation forbidding the executive branch from using state secrets privilege. Now, you want to talk about why Congress doesn't? Because right now, okay, let's say you are the Republicans in the United States Congress, okay? You kind of thinking that at some point in the future, who might be president of the United States? Right, another Republican. Republican, and do we want to tie the hands, okay, of the leader of our political party? Right, that's why a lot of stuff doesn't get done. And also, two words, it's hard. Sure it is. That's the right? other thing. That's the other reason things don't get done. It's because sometimes it's hard. And people who because, involved are like, oh, I don't want to do that. It's hard. Well, and think about the trade-offs, listeners. I mean, Nia, you and I have talked about this. You and I are of, you know, mixed mind about this, right? Right. On, on one hand, we see the obvious problems, okay, in a democracy. Okay, of, 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 of a branch of the federal government basically saying to the courts of law, sorry, you guys can't, you know, use that because, you know, it would harm national security. On the other hand, as you and I've discussed, the Constitution's not a suicide pact, right? <laughs> okay, we want the political branches, but particularly the executive branch of the federal government to provide national security. Right. Okay. And if it thinks the privilege is an effective tool to make sure that we sleep safe and sound every single night, uh, should we be second guessing their use of this tool? I mean, so it, it's complicated. It's difficult. It's complicated. Okay. Right. And if you're and if you're a member of Congress. Okay, and you're representing some small rural community in Nebraska, you know, what do you know about the the uh, the, the provision of national security, right? 
Right. I mean, your constituents sent you there to make sure that a farm bill that protects farmers <laughs> in your district gets passed, okay, dang it. It gets passed, right? Right. Um, you know, that vaccines get put into people's arms, that inflation doesn't get, you know, too high, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's what they're sending you to, you know, right. sending you to Congress to. So what do I know about state secrets? What is state secret? Right. Exactly. And where yeah. does that apply and not apply? It's it's yeah. yeah, it's complicated. And it's um, if it were simple, we'd have solved it yeah. because that's how that usually works. That's usually my answer for all of these things when they're complicated. <laughs> but I I agree with you that the the global war on terror has made this yeah. significantly harder to deal with. Like yes. that's yeah. why you see that huge leap after 9-11. It wasn't that there wasn't terrorism before 9-11. There was plenty of terrorism before 9-11. Um, there, there was even airline terrorism before 9-11, right? Constantly, well, not constantly, but quite a few times. And you get Munich, you get all kinds of things where there are clear terrorist events. But it's when not it that hits. there's not terrorism. It's that when the United States government decides to declare war on terrorism, right, and then it becomes a, um, we're going after this as a concept, like we're going after this to try to destroy it or stamp it out. Yeah, because it grows you know, leaps and bounds, like it just explodes with growth. I mean, of all the criticisms you can make about the United States government, historically, and there's plenty, and we've chronicled many of them, right? <laughs> and we'll do we'll, more. We'll do more in the future. But when this country goes to war, okay, it goes to war. All right? in. Okay, it's all in, and it uses every tool at its disposal, right? And so, you know, there's the, the, there's the, the famous quote uh, from John Marshall before he became Chief Justice, when he was a member of the House of Representatives. Um, in a floor debate um, in the House, John Marshall said, you know, the power to wage war is the power to wage war successfully, right? You know, if you give the political branches that authority to wage war, you don't hamstring or limit their power. It's a power to wage war. Right. Okay. But it then begs the question, when does the war end, okay? Is this war different, okay? Because again, when you waged war against nation states, you know, see- There was an know, ending. There was an ending, was a, not always and, and, a winning and, 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 ending, right? See Vietnam, but there was, but, a, but was an, an ending. And then, then there were rules of engagement and there were things that nation states do that is or is not acceptable. And if they do unacceptable things, they get punished in certain ways, okay, et cetera, et cetera. But with, with terrorism, it's different, right? right? Okay, It's in, both a concept and a non-state actor-driven activity. Yeah, that's right. And the, 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 the desire is to cause fear. And democratic governments don't always respond to fear, okay? the way we would like them to, right? right? <laughs> okay. Um, and that's part of why the use, the increased use of the state secrets privilege 
uh, is beginning to raise alarms. I mean, and, and for scholars, when the Biden administration decided to go forward with these two cases in front of the Supreme Court this term, okay, and these are continuing continuations of cases started with the Trump administration. And the written briefs by the Biden administration's Justice Department, okay, were, you know, full in, okay, on supporting the state secrets doctrine, a whole bunch of scholars were like, wow, this isn't a political party thing. This isn't even an ideological thing. This is who's ever in power in the executive branch. Thus, see the checks and balances concern. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter who's president, right? Okay, they're all now going ahead and saying, well, hey, that's a state secret. And we can't disclose that. Wow. That's a pretty stunning assertion. But anyways. Well, and on that happy note, we'll, <laughs> um, we'll be back next week with a different episode on something else. <laughs> and hopefully not nearly as sad and depressing. Um, yes. Um, uh, we, we, we will try to go ahead and uh, 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 have a, an episode. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say it will be happy, happy, joy, joy, because. Um, Actually, uh, I think it might be because I think that might, next week might be our week that we're meeting with Hillary. Oh, yes. Fun uh, with uh, patents. Yes. Fun with patents, trademarks and copyrights. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so hopefully we'll look up next week. All right. Thanks, Nia. Thank you, Augie. All right. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.